Chapter 7 of Our Little Korean Cousin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Our Little Korean Cousin by H. Lee M. Pike. Chapter 7 A Journey. It sometimes happened that Keepak, in performing his official duties, was obliged to make long journeys to various parts of Korea. One of young Pak's greatest pleasures was to listen to the stories which his father used to tell him about these journeys. When Ki Pak made one of these trips through the country, he could not ride on the cars as you do, for there were no railways with puffing engines and comfortable coaches. Neither could he take a carriage drawn by swift and strong horses, for they too were unknown by the Koreans. Even if he had possessed horses and carriage, there were few roads over which they could have been driven. Most of the highways were simply rough paths over which men usually traveled on foot or on the backs of ponies up and down the hills of the country. It was generally necessary to cross rivers by fording, though where the water was too deep for this, rude and clumsy ferryboats were provided. Occasionally, over a narrow stream, a frail footbridge would be built. You can easily imagine young Pak's joy and surprise one day when his father told him that he proposed to take his little son on his next journey. Kipak had been ordered by the king to go to Chang'an-sa, a city among the Diamond Mountains near the eastern coast of Korea and about 80 miles from Seoul. In this place was a famous monastery or temple which would be an object of much interest and wonder to young Pak. It was decided also that Wang Ken should be one of the party. He would be able to explain to young Pak many things they might see on the way. There was much to do to get ready for the journey. It would take four days to cover the distance, and as hotels were unknown along the route, it was necessary to take along a good supply of provisions, bedding, cooking utensils, and all sorts of things they might need while absent from home. In addition to getting together all this material, ponies and drivers had to be engaged. Sometimes, when Kipak went on short journeys, he was carried in a chair by strong men, who by much practice had become able to endure the fatigue of travel and of bearing heavy burdens. This chair was very different from the kind you have in your houses. Even a comfortable rocker would not be very nice in which to take a long journey. The Korean traveler's chair consists of a box-like frame of such height that one may sit within Turkish fashion upon the floor. The roof is of bamboo covered with painted and oiled paper. The sides also are covered with oiled paper or muslin. In some cases, a small stained glass window is set in the side or front, but only rich men can afford this luxury. The curtain in front can be raised or lowered. This serves the double purpose of shutting out the glances of the curious and keeping out the cold air. When the owner can afford it, an ample supply of cushions and shawls makes the clumsy vehicle more comfortable for its occupant. The chair rests upon two long poles, which hang by straps upon the soldiers of four stout men. Under ordinary circumstances, these men can travel with their burden from twenty to thirty miles a day. Sometimes also, when young Pak's father went about the streets of Seoul, 
he rode in a chair very similar to the one just described the only difference was that it rested on a framework attached to a single wheel directly underneath this cross between a wheelbarrow and a sedan chair was supported and trundled along the street by four bearers on this journey however young bach and his companions were to ride on ponies the korean ponies are small fine-coated animals little larger than shetland ponies they are very tough and strong and can endure long marches with little food they are sometimes obstinate and are desperate fighters squealing and neighing on all occasions they often attack other ponies and never become friendly with each other on a journey in their attacks upon one another loads are forgotten and often seriously damaged notwithstanding they bear with much patience a great deal of abuse from unkind masters because of much beating and overloading they are generally a sorry-looking lot of animals kipak had to engage ponies for himself young pak and wang ken he was also obliged to employ a cook for the journey who had to have a pony to carry along the kettles and pans and other utensils it was also necessary to hire body servants and several ponies to carry luggage and as each pony must have a mapu or groom it made quite a procession when the party started out of seoul on the journey to the northeast it was a fine day when the start was made it was not early in the morning for if there is anything a korean hates to do it is to make an early start on a journey if you had been in young pak's place you would have gone crazy with impatience the servants were late in bringing around the ponies and the process of loading them was a very slow one but young pak had long before learned to be patient under such circumstances in fact he seemed to care little whether the start were made in the morning or at noon he calmly watched the servants at their work and when at last all was declared ready he gravely mounted his pony and fell into procession behind his father with wang ken immediately following a most comical sight was the cook perched on top of his load of pans pots and potatoes as his pony trotted along with the others it looked as if the cook was in constant danger of a fall from his lofty seat but he sat as calm and unconcerned as one could imagine you would laugh if you should see the strings of eggs hanging across his pony's back yes eggs they were packed in bands of wheat straw and between each pair of eggs a straw was twisted thus a straw rope enclosing twenty or more eggs well protected was made and thrown over the top of the load other riders had more comfortable seats for most of the ponies carried baggage in two wicker baskets one strapped upon each side and on top of these was piled bedding and wadded clothing which made a soft seat for the rider the mapus who accompanied the procession were dressed in short cotton jackets loose trousers with sandals and cotton wrappings upon the feet they had to step lively to keep up with the ponies all the people in this company carried with them long garments made of oiled paper you have already learned that the korean paper is very tough and when soaked with oil it forms a splendid protection against the rain many of these garments had a very peculiar appearance because they were made of paper on which had been set copies for schoolboys to use in learning to write as young pak and his companions passed along the dirty streets of seoul toward the gate in the great wall 
a curious crowd was attracted by the unusual sight this mob of men and boys were good-natured but very curious and it gathered so close as to impede the progress of the ponies moreover a watchful eye had to be kept on all the luggage lest some over-covetous person might steal the provisions and supplies on the ponies backs notwithstanding the slow progress made by kipak's company it took only a short time to pass through the narrow streets and out by the great gate leaving behind the noisy mob of men and boys who had followed them to the city's wall once outside upon the road which wound around and over the high hills that surround the city the pure country air seemed very sweet and refreshing to young pak who knew nothing of the life outside seoul this was his first journey into the country and many strange sights drew exclamations of surprise and wonder from him the green waving grass and swaying foliage of the trees were ever new sources of joy and pleasure and the delicate odors which the breezes bore to his sensitive nostrils were refreshing and life-giving among the strange sights which attracted young pak's attention as they rode through the country were some very curious figures erected by the roadside these were posts one side of which was roughly planed on the upper part of each of these posts was a rude carving of a hideous human face with prominent teeth the cheeks and teeth were slightly colored a most fiendish appearance was presented by these figures called by the korean sol maki and if looks counted for anything they ought well to serve their purpose the scaring away of evil spirits from the village near which the figures always stood the mile-posts or jang-sung along the way were often similarly decorated another curiosity by the wayside which led to wonder on young pak's part was an old trunk of a tall tree for about thirty feet from the ground this was painted in colored stripes very much like a barber's pole the top and branches of the tree had been trimmed off and the upper end was rudely carved in a shape representing a dragon with a forked tail from the head which resembled that of an alligator hung various cords to which were attached small brass bells and wooden fish wong ken told young pak that this was a monument to some famous korean doctor of literature on the first day's journey toward changansa the party made good progress the plan was to get to yongpyong about twenty miles from seoul before nightfall to you this would seem a short day's journey but when it is remembered that many of the servants were on foot and that the little ponies were heavily loaded it does not seem so strange that more ground could not be covered in one day in addition in many places the roads were poor though in the valleys there was a smooth bottom where the sand had washed down from the hills on some of these hillsides little villages were perched young pak noticed that on the upper side of each of these hill towns was a moon-shaped wall what is that wall for he asked wong ken as they passed one that protects the village in time of rainstorms replied the tutor the soil here is of such a nature that it easily washes away and if the town were unprotected the earth would soon be swept from beneath the houses if you will look sharply you will see outside the wall a deep trench which carries off the rushing water as they were slowly riding along a road which wound around and over a high hill young pak still kept his eyes wide open for strange sights suddenly he lifted his arm and pointing toward a tree up a little hill at one side of the road he said to wong king 
What a queer-looking tree that is! And are not those strange leaves on it? What kind of tree is it, anyway? Ha, ha, ha! laughed Wang King. I don't wonder that you call that a strange-looking tree. Let's take a walk up to it and get a closer view. So the ponies were halted, and down sprang young Pak and Wang Ken. Leaving the ponies in charge of the Mapus, they marched up the hill to get a nearer sight of the tree. Why, said the boy as they approached it, those are not leaves that we saw from the road, but they are rags and strips of cloth. It looks as if someone had hung out their clothes to dry and forgotten to take them in again. What does it all mean? That tree, my boy, Wang Ken replied, is called the Sacred Devil Tree. It is a queer combination of names, but you know there are a lot of ignorant people in our country who are very superstitious. They believe in all sorts of evil and good spirits. They think these spirits watch every act of their lives. Consequently, they do all they can to please the good spirits and to drive away the evil ones. This tree, they believe, has power to keep off the bad spirits, so every man who thinks that a demon has possession of him tears a piece of cloth from his garment and carefully ties it to a branch. That is how all these strips you see come to be hanging above you. Some have hung here so long that the wind and rain have torn them to rags. Yes, but why is this done? asked young Pak. Because, was the reply, a man who is possessed by an evil spirit thinks that by thus tying a part of his clothing to the tree, he may induce the spirit to attach himself to it instead of to his own person. Young Pock's curiosity satisfied, they returned to the road, mounted their ponies, and quickly caught up with the rest of the party. No further incidents of special importance marked the first day's journey and shortly before nightfall they arrived at the town of Yangpyong. They found the village inn to be a series of low, small buildings built on three sides of a courtyard. Into low sheds in this yard the ponies were crowded, and the luggage removed from their backs. Kipok's servants proceeded to build a fire in the center of the yard, and the cook made preparations for getting supper. Travelers had to provide a large part of their own meals, for, as already stated, these village inns were not hotels in the real sense of the word. They were simply rude lodging places where travelers might be protected from the night air and have a chance to sleep while passing through the country. Into the main waiting room of the inn, young Bach, with his father and tutor, entered. At the door they removed their shoes and left them outside. In the room were several other travelers seated upon the floor, which was covered with oil paper and grass mats. There was absolutely no furniture. The walls were covered with clean white paper. Each man in the room was smoking a pipe, which consisted of a brass bowl and a reed stem over three feet long. All wore long white robes, though one of the occupants had hung his hat upon the wall. Into this room, after a time, the cook brought supper for his masters. Other servants brought in boxes, which were used as tables and though the style was not just what young Pak was used to, he managed to eat a hearty meal. The day in the open air had given him a hunger and a zest he rarely knew. 
after supper for a short time young pak and wong ken talked over with ki pak the events of the day a servant soon announced that their sleeping rooms were ready and they gladly at once sought their beds to get to their rooms they again stepped out into the courtyard they found that each bedroom was one of the little buildings facing the yard young pak and wong king occupied one room while ki pak had a room by himself through a narrow door about three feet high the lad and his tutor entered the room the door was simply a lattice shutter covered with paper the room was very small barely space for the two mattresses which had been put there by the servants and the ceiling was so low that even the short koreans could hardly stand upright yet here our two friends managed to make themselves very comfortable for the night outside in the courtyard the fire was kept burning beside which two watchmen sat all night smoking and telling stories it was necessary to maintain a watch till morning because the country districts of korea are infested with wild animals particularly tigers and the bright blaze of the fire served to keep them at a distance otherwise the thin-walled houses would have been slight protection for the sleeping travellers as it was young pak slept soundly the whole night and did not wake until after daylight when the servants brought to his door a wooden bowl and brass vessel full of water for his morning bath quickly he sprang up and with his companions made ready for the day's journey for they were all anxious to be on their way breakfast was served in much the same manner as the supper of the previous evening had been of this meal all heartily partook for a korean is never guilty of having a poor appetite as usual it took a long time to get the ponies properly loaded and ready to start and the forenoon was about half gone when the procession finally left the courtyard of the inn a twenty-mile march would bring the party to rongchon where it was proposed to spend the second night of the journey the day was passed in much the same manner as the preceding one though of course new scenes proved ever interesting to young pak during this day the party had to cross a river which was too deep to ford and over which was no sort of bridge for the assistance of travellers a ferry-boat had been provided this boat was a broad flat-bottomed clumsy affair it could carry but three ponies at a time with several men the men in charge of the boat were slow and obstinate and consequently it took a long time for all to get across the river it was right here that an unfortunate yet laughable accident occurred as on the preceding day the cook rode perched upon his pony's load of kettles pans and pots while riding along a good road his position was precarious enough requiring all his best efforts to maintain his balance when his turn came to go upon the ferry-boat kipak advised him to dismount and lead his pony across the plank which covered the watery space between the bank of the river and the boat but the cook was an obstinate korean as well as a trifle lazy and refused to get down thinking he could safely drive his beast across the gangplank ordinarily this would have been possible but on this particular occasion just as the pony stepped upon the plank the boat gave a lurch the plank slipped and overboard went the pony cook and all for a few moments there was enough bustle and excitement to suit anyone fortunately the water was not deep and quickly the drenched animal and man were pulled from the water the only permanent harm was to some of the provisions that were a part of the pony's load 
the cook was a wiser as well as a wet man and made up his mind that the next time he would heed the advice to dismount when boarding a ferry-boat the day's journey was completed without further special incident and at night they rested in the inn rong chong under conditions much the same as yong pyong the third day journey brought the company to kei wen song on the way thither yong pak was much interested in the sights of the country which grew wilder and more strange the farther they got from seoul on this day numerous highwaymen were met but they dared not molest the travellers on account of the large number in the party the cabins along the country roads were a continual source of curiosity to young Bach. they were built of mud without windows and no door except a screen of cords in nearly every doorway would be sitting a man smoking a long-stemmed pipe who looked with wide open eyes at the unusual procession passing his house of course all the men who lived in these country cabins were farmers and young Bach liked to watch them as they worked in their fields for to the city-bred boy this is always an entrancing sight what seemed most curious to him was the fact that women were also at work in the fields at his home the women of the family nearly always stayed in their own apartments and when they did go out always went heavily veiled these country women not only assisted in the farm work but they had to do all the spinning and weaving for the family in addition to usual household cares wang ken was able to tell young pak much about country life for like most of the schoolmasters of korea he was himself a farmer's son he told how the korean farmer lived a simple patient life while at the same time he was ignorant and superstitious he believed in demons spirits and dragons and in nearly every house were idols in honor of the imaginary deities pigs and bulls are the chief animals on korean farms the latter are used as beasts of burden though occasionally a more prosperous man may own a pony or a donkey the farming tools are extremely rude and simple thus necessitating the labor of several men and women where one man could do the work with good tools while traveling along young pak met several hunters they were not an uncommon sight in the streets of seoul and when in the city they wore a rough felt conical hat and dark blue cotton robe the garments were ugly in appearance and inconvenient when the hunters were after game the robe was discarded and its place taken by a short wadded jacket its sleeves bound around the arms over wadded cuffs which reached from wrist to elbow in a similar way the trousers were bound to the calf of the hunter's leg and light straw sandals over a long piece of cotton cloth were strapped to the feet and ankles a huge string game bag was slung over his back and in an antelope's horn or a crane's bill bullets were carried powder was kept dry in a tortoise-shaped case of leather or oiled paper young pak's father would have been glad to have taken time for seeking game with some of these hunters but the business of his trip prevented any unnecessary delay on the journey End of chapter 7